Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Monique. I hope all is well. This is episode 67 of the Brown Vegan Podcast where I love to share strategies on how to start and maintain a practical vegan lifestyle and bring on guests to do the same. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And don't forget to follow me on social media. I am Brown Vegan everywhere, including YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I hope you're having a great day. I love this time of year, the springtime, even though we just had snow the other day in D.C. (laughs) I love new seasons overall because I feel like, you know, you have a chance to uh, set some good expectations. I feel like it's like a renewal going on. And I love this time of year overall anyway, because I just feel like I have more energy. I love that we get more daylight, too. So that's always a good thing. So yeah, I have another guest for you. This is actually going to be a repeat guest. Um, I have Cherie Brown V. I'm about to say Brown Vegan, <laughs> Brown Veggie Mom on the show. She was on episode 10. And back then we talked basically about her vegan journey, how she's able to do this with her family. But there's been a lot of amazing changes in her life since then. She actually started a vegan meal prep business. And so I wanted to bring her back on the show to talk about that. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about how she got started, how she was able to acquire a commercial kitchen, a lot of the ups and downs, and how she's able to charge her worth, which I know is so hard to do when you are trying to start a business and you want to be able to serve as many people as possible. We also talk about the cost that goes into running a profitable food prep business, how she schedules time off and still is able to... um, maintain her clientele and help her customers even when she takes time off, which I think is super important. We also chat about how she outsources and um, does collaborations with other people who do things a little better than she does and just makes everything uh, run smoothly in her business when she does it that way. And also how to keep happy long-term clients and how important that is to grow your business. This is a great conversation. I'm super excited to have her on the show because I don't know if you know this about me, but veganism, talking about this and talking about business are two of my favorite subjects. So going forward, I'm definitely going to have more people on the show who have been able to start profitable businesses doing what they love in this vegan lifestyle, you know? So yeah, I just want to mention that. Let's go ahead and jump into the conversation with Cherie. Make sure you follow her on Instagram. Her Instagram is Brown Veggie Mom. So I know you were like one of my, I always say OGs when I have somebody that's like a repeat <laughs> <laughs> guest on the show. You're one of my OGs. So um, last time you were on the show, you were just navigating this lifestyle with your family. And now yes. you actually have a vegan meal prep business. And so that's why I wanted to bring you back on the show to talk about 
the, you know, how you do that, how you got started, how you get customers, how you prep the food, how you deliver the food, all of the movement parts that goes into having a business. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I feel like there's so many people out there who want to do meal preps for other people because they get so many questions on social media about how to do it. And so, of course, I wanted to go to an expert to have you come on and do that. Why did you decide to start a meal prep business? Well, like you said, I started uh, doing vegan food for my family. <clears throat> and just because of our busy lifestyle and our busy schedule, I started meal prepping so that my husband works from home and my daughter is homeschooled. So they're home during the day. And I wanted to make sure that they have food readily available to them so they could just grab it, heat it, eat and go back to work. So I started doing that. And a friend of ours uh, tragically lost his wife and he wasn't a cook. So I started adding to what I made for my family. I started cooking for him and just putting it in containers, having it for him once every two weeks so he could come over and pick up his food and put it in his uh, in his freezer. And it wasn't I wasn't asking for any money or anything. And he said to me, if you do this for me all the time, I'll pay you. And that's when the light bulb went off. Like I can get paid to feed people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is what I love to do. So we worked out a budget and he started giving me money and I would just cook the food. And what started happening is he would tell a friend and they would tell a friend and they would tell a friend and It started out with a lot of bachelors who needed to eat, who wanted a nice home-cooked meal. And all of it was plant-based, but they didn't know. Because what I would do is just take things that they were used to eating, like a lasagna, and just make it plant-based, or a pot pie and make it Mm plant-based, and just give them what I was feeding my family. And that's how it got started. And it started with maybe one or two people. And now it's expanded to where I really don't have space for new customers right now. Yeah, you are booked out. I love it. When you told me when we first got on before we started recording, you were like, I said, do you want to promote this? And you're like, no, I don't have the I don't have the bandwidth. <laughs> I can't promote it, but I want to tell people how to do it. But I can't really promote it because I can't do it right now. I've had too many customers. Do you do everything by yourself now or do you have some help? I do have help. I did start out doing it by myself and it got a little busy. So I had to get some helpers and I only cook once a week. So we just go into my kitchen, we cook everything, we pack it up and people come and pick it up. So that's, that's convenient. So you don't have to do deliveries. I think you, did you start off with deliveries though? When you first got started? Yeah, I do have delivery. Delivery is an option. Uh, You either pick up on Sunday or you get it delivered on Monday for a fee. That nice. the outside vendor mm-hmm, oh, charges. Oh, so you have somebody else doing it for you. Yeah. Oh, that is smart. Look at you delegating. I love that. I love that you are like passing off some of the stuff because I think a lot of times it's so, I mean, I think it's so easy to start a business and then feel like you can do everything yourself and then you get so stressed out and you don't get any help and then you wonder, you know, why you feel burnt out and you can't really oh, scale exactly. it. Exactly. I really did try to do everything by myself. And that was one of the first lessons I learned is you can't do it by yourself because I'm doing all of the menu planning. I'm doing all of the food shopping. I'm doing all of the prep. I'm doing all of the cook- cooking. And then I still had to clean up. And then you have to cook for, and then you have to do stuff for your own family after you, you do have all to do of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. So it got to be too much. And then you just have to reach out and, you know, at, at first you're like, 
I can't afford help. That was one of the things I can't afford help. But once you get help, it frees you up with time, which in the beginning time is so valuable. And when you get your time, then you can do more planning, you can open up to more people. So eventually the time and the money and the help aspect all come together and you, you know, you get it and you, you can't be afraid to ask for help. I love That's that. A, and sometimes people will work for food. You'd be so surprised <laughs> if you say, I'll feed you this week if you help me. People, that's money too, you know, Heck so yeah. your, your product. It's like it a barter system. Barter for, yes, for, for help. So and now, you know, I have consistent helpers and it just, it's, it's a really nice flow to it. But you do, you do come across some bumps and one of them is asking for help. Yeah. <laughs> I know when you started with that first um, customer, well, it was a friend that turned into a customer. You were doing this from your home and now you have a commercial kitchen space that you use. What was the process of getting that? Because I know sometimes that process can be a little daunting because it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with the cost of everything. Um, How did that, how does that look for you as far as uh, acquiring that space to work from? Right. Well, we actually, uh, a few years ago, our, our enterprise center in West Philly offered business classes. And uh, Prudential was actually the company that sponsored the small business classes for the area. And my husband and I attended the free classes. And once the classes were done, our area got a culinary center that was sponsored by the same place that had the classes. So they reached out to me and asked if I wanted space. And I couldn't afford it in the beginning because there was a lot of steps that you have to do. Um, But it's worth it in the end. What you what you had to do is go to their their training class and then they gave you an outline of everything that you needed to do. So you have to be serve safe certified. You have to make sure you have a vendor permit from the city and every town is going to be different. Every city is going to be different. But uh, you had to get the permit from the city, which was a small cost. Um, And then you have to rent the space. So the way I thought about it was, okay, how much can I bring into this business monthly? And is it worth me renting the commercial space? Mm -hmm. So what I had to decide was how much I was going to do in the kitchen, how much I was going to do at home. So I do a lot of the prep at home to save on the cost because the kitchen is by an hourly rate, but you get stuff done so much faster because this commercial kitchen gives you access to so many tools that you don't have at home. You know, you have a four burner stove at home and one oven where this commercial kitchen will give you access to three ovens, a baker's oven, you know, uh, a a big tilt skillet. So you get all of these things that you don't have at home, which does make it valuable to have. Mm -hmm. And then you have the space to have your helpers in there. Your your staff can help you get things done. Y'all are not all crammed into one little space because even if you have a nice kitchen at home, it's still not going to be able to accommodate you prepping and cooking Mm -hmm. and yeah, having other people in your space too. So yeah. Yeah. And you have to think about like, you're using your gas, you're using your electricity. So all these things have to be factored into the cost of your business. Mm -hmm. And you have to not be afraid to charge people for your time, for the space, for the containers that you put the food in. You have to not be afraid to charge people and know your worth. Ooh, that's a smart lesson. Yes, that is so. That, now you look at as you dropping this gym because that is so true. It's so easy. Seriously, um, Cherie, it's so easy not to um, pay charge people because you want to make sure that it's affordable because you want to get help as many people as possible to make this lifestyle accessible. But at the same time, it has to make sense. And a lot yeah. of times, I know how 
that can be difficult. In the beginning, was it hard for you to charge what your worth or what you were putting into this in the beginning? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I Th- was that's what you know, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was doing too much. I was team do too much. I would do I would offer right now. Um, I offer three options a week and you can order as many or as little as you want. Before I was doing five options and a soup and, you know, charging the same amount of money. And it was like, this isn't fun. Mm. You know, it really started out being too much. And and then what I was giving people, because I do give generous portions, you get a 32 ounce container of food. So I was giving people too much, not asking for enough and doing too much work. And it was like, I have to really think about how much this business is costing me but also figure out how much my time is worth. Mm -hmm. So you have to do some research. You have to get online and see how much does it cost for a personal chef per hour. And you have to calculate that cost into what you're you're spending on your business. So please, 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 if you don't, you have to charge for your time. Yeah. And that's, that's prepping time, that's shopping time, that's all of the things that are involved. So it's not just the time that you're standing there cooking, but it's all the other time that you put into the business. So how do you determine what's going to go on the menu each week? Because you do, you said you do the menu once a week, you do your shopping once a week, you do your cooking once a week. So how do you make yeah. a determination? Do you do it like months in advance and kind of rotate your menu? Or how does that look? Oh, I wish I was that organized. No, I actually look and see what's on sale at the market, what's seasonal, what's best. And then I'll put together a menu like that. That's how I started out. I would look and see what was in the market. What are people eating now? What can I get at a a cheaper price so that I can mark it up a little bit? Mm -hmm. And um, so I would go with things that were on sale. I would also go with things that I could make in bulk. So you don't want to, you know, you don't want, I, I did eggplant stackers one week and drove myself crazy because you have to grill each piece of eggplant. You have to stack it with ricotta. You have to put this. And it was like, why don't you just make a lasagna? Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? so, <laughs> but hey, that's how you learn, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> by testing. <laughs> you have to think about, I'm cooking in bulk. So what can I do? You buy dried beans so you can cook the beans in bigger batches. So you start thinking of things like that. Like, what can I cook in bulk that, you know, I can I can get out? And now... Basically, it's customer requests. Though <laughs> I've had customers for so long that they're like, "When are you putting the Popeye back on the menu, okay. or when are you putting the eggplant parm back on the menu?" So, and and when I send out the menu to people, I let them know, "Oh, this week was John's request," or you know, so they're like, "Oh, I can put in requests," and it, it it gets fun. And sometimes you have to tell them no, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I love that because look at how you getting your customers involved in the like the exactly. process. Yes. And I'll even do once a quarter, I'll do a survey monkey and I'll ask them, what were your favorite dishes? What were your least favorite dishes? You know, is, is, are you getting a value? Would you recommend it to customers? So I'll ask about five questions. And if you answer them all, you get free dessert. So it kind of gets people to answer your survey, but also you can see what the pulse of your business is. And some of the things that I loved on the menu, the customers were like, no, we don't like that. So you know, you can't go by your taste. You have to go by what they're asking for. Yeah. And let's talk about that then. So what are some of their favorite dishes? What do they really like? Uh, Some of their favorite dishes are um, soups go over really well. 
So uh, a minestrone I make gets asked for a lot, a tomato bisque, things that people see on a on a meat eater's diet, they want to see in a vegan diet. So lasagna, eggplant parm, baked ziti. If I make baked ziti, I sell out in 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if I make lasagna, I sell out in 10 minutes. And then things that I wouldn't think people would love, but quinoa bowls. I make a lot of quinoa bowls, roasted vegetables and quinoa. So we can, whatever the season is, those are the vegetables that I use and just pair it with quinoa and a dressing and they love it. So the, it's, it's so simple too, right? And I know it's like it's to you, it's like a no brainer because you're like, okay, right. I can eat this. It took me probably 10 minutes to make this is a no brainer. But for people who aren't vegan, because most of your clientele, yeah. they're not vegan, right? I don't have one vegan customer now. Ah, see, this is why I love your business so much. Yeah, you are feeding the masses, like literally. <laughs> I love that. When they're introduced to your brand, do do they know it as a plant based? Because it sounds like before yeah. when we talked about it, you said not really. They, they do. They, they do. do. So all, all of the all of the new customers that I have actually because they're all word of mouth, they know that they're going to get you know plant based foods, and they know that. They kind of are already told by the person who referred them that this is what you're going to get when you eat this food. Okay. And sometimes they will have sampled the food already because they're like, oh, what's that you're eating? It smells good. And they're like, oh, taste this. You mm-hmm. know, so people who aren't vegan kind of have this impression that it's not flavorful and it's not something that can be familiar and you're proving them wrong. So I love how yeah. that looks. Yeah. <laughs> and then it can and, be intimidating you know, if you're not a cook, too. Right. Because most of your people probably don't cook. Yeah, most of my people don't cook. They don't have time to cook and they don't know, you know, they don't want to be vegan all the time. They're not a, a all the time vegan, but they do want to eat better. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, when I say plant based meals, it's not a lot. I don't use a lot of meat substitutes. I use lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, lots of grains, lots of beans. So it's stuff that they wouldn't know what to do with themselves. You don't make it complicated. Yeah. Because I know before when we talked about this, you told me that um, you don't, you think that meat substitutes don't do well when you cook them in bulk and um, yes. give them out to people. Because that's an example. Because I wanted to kind of know what were some of the things that don't, um, I guess your customers don't really like after a couple of days. Mm-hmm. It's not, it doesn't right. taste very good from the refrigerator. <laughs> and you said meat substitutes are one of those things. That's just not good. Right. Um, like a, a, a ground meat substitute is good. Um, but any of those like chicken patties or chicken, um, I don't know, substitutes don't do well. Uh, I would rather just do a mushroom Mm -hmm. or, you know, some kind of hearty vegetable in its place. Uh, so instead of, you know, if I make chicken and dumplings, Mm -hmm. I'll just do, it'll just be hearty vegetables and dumplings instead of the chicken meat substitute because it does get it does start to disintegrate a little bit when you keep reheating it. Um, so I try to stay away from those too much. Yeah. And, you know, so try to use more plants that are high in water content because water content freezes better. So if you're, if you do things like broccoli, that'll do well, but you can't really do zucchini, you know, so you have to know what they can throw into the freezer or what they can have sit in the fridge for a really long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And so all of your meals at this point are just dinner, right? Everything is um, you do any breakfast? lunch and dinner. Hmm? Mm-hmm. I don't do breakfast, but they're all people. A lot of people eat them for lunch or dinner. 
just lunch or dinner. But that's good, though, because those can be the areas where I feel like, you know what's funny? I don't know if you run into this a lot, but people always want to know what we eat for, like, breakfast and snacks. And I think that's the easiest. I think dinner and lunch can be the more complicated areas. So, exactly. yeah. I find that my that they want to eat better, but by the time they get home, they're so exhausted that they don't want to have to think about. Or when they're running out the door the next day to go to work, they don't want to think about what I'm going to have for lunch today. Mm-hmm. So lunch and dinner, and and you can use it for both. Lunch and dinner are interchangeable. Where breakfast is so specific, yeah, that you know it kind of shuts down the customer base that you can get where if you just give them options of entrees, they can eat it, you know, twice a day. Yeah. So how long does it take you to do everything? Have you had this moment? I know because you've been so busy for the last like, because you've been doing this for what, a year and a half at this point? Yeah, about a year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So you have been like probably so busy, like spinning around with everything. Have you had a time? Have you had any time to kind of sit down and Think about how much time you're putting into all of this as far as, you know, oh, you have. Because it's, okay, go ahead. Tell us how much time it takes to do everything. Because I know that that can be a big deal. Because here's the thing for me. This is why I want to know. Because one of the reasons why I don't know if I would ever want to do something like this is because Mm -hmm. I want to have a life. I want to have some fun. And I feel like this would have me bogged down too much. Like I wouldn't, I would be stuck in the kitchen so much planning um, cooking, making sure that orders are right, making sure that delivery went okay, making sure that um, I'm planning for next week, communicating with my yeah. my clientele. So it would feel like I would always be working. So tell us how it looked in the beginning for you and how it looks now <laughs> as far as the time. <laughs> you know what? In the beginning, it was just like you said. It was a constant thinking about the business, putting time into the business. And I wasn't, I, w- I was consumed by it. So I had to pull back for a little while. So I stopped for a little while. I told all my customers, I just need to regroup. I need to figure out what's going to work for me and what's going to work for you guys. So like I said, I used to offer five options in a suit. I pared it down to three options. Um, I also, the when I shop, when I write my list of what I'm getting, um, I put it in order of the grocery store so that my shop doesn't take too long. And I'm only planning three entrees and I don't do the traditional plate. I don't do a protein, a starch and a a vegetable separate. Most of my things are casseroles or one dish things that can just be assembled quickly and either put into an oven or cooked on a stove top. So I had to start simplifying the recipes Mm. and I had to, and if I'm going to do something complicated like a crab cake, you know you're gonna, the other two options are not gonna be time consuming. So you have to think about the the number of ingredients you put into a recipe. I don't put more than 10 ingredients in a recipe. I just refuse to do more than that because the, like you said, the shopping takes so long. So I spend about 10 to 15 hours a week on the business. And that's just because I love thinking about food and talking about food. So <laughs> It's kind of a pleasure part of it too. (laughs) So, but actually working in the business is I cook for about four hours and I prep for an hour. And so I'm putting about 10 hours a week into it. If I really think about all the physical parts of it that go together. Yes. I love that. Look how you have like really streamlined this. You have the help. (laughs) 
<laughs> you figured out a system yeah. that works for you to save some time and you're actually able to make a living from this, which is to me yeah. so important because um, I always think that it's important for us to monetize the, what we love to do. You know, something that we would do for free, like you did for free. Exactly. Exactly. But also have time, like you said, to have time to live and not be and not be, you know, bogged down. And sometimes I'll let people know I'm not cooking next week. So the menu for this week is going to have some freezer favorites. Ooh, so people so will know. Yeah, people will know. Like this week, um, I'm going to be really busy next week. So this week's menu is all the stuff that people can put in their freezer. So they knew to buy multiple things. You know, I had one customer buy 14 items because they know. I'm not feeding you next week. So you need to figure out your dinner yeah, for the next week. Yeah, look at that. So <laughs> letting them know in advance. So I, I've gotten two weeks worth of, you know, business in one week. And then next week, I, it's okay for me to take off mm-hmm. because it's already covered. I mean, you built the business around the life that you want opposed to exactly forcing it into, you know. Yeah. So go ahead. Exactly. <laughs> and, and it was hard in the beginning because I was afraid that if I don't cook this week, you know, I won't have customers, but it's, it's like your favorite restaurant. If they close for a week to go on vacation, you're looking forward to them opening back up. So sometimes, you know, you pull back a little bit and make people want you. You have to really know your worth. Yeah, exactly. You have to know your worth. And when I started out, I would put the menu out on Monday or Tuesday and give people till Friday to place their orders. And I was like running after people and reminding them to place their orders. And then I was like, no, I'm going to put them in you out on Wednesday. You have until Thursday at noon to place your order. And if you don't, you don't, if you do, you do. And, you know, I put the menu out today and within 25 minutes I was sold out because once you sell out, you tell people, you send them an email, like, sorry, all sold out. And they're like, oh, I got to get in next week. Ooh, I love you know, that. and because <laughs> I'm in demand, boom, get on here. <laughs> I'm in demand. Exactly. So let people know I'm not sitting around waiting for you. I have people. And then, you know, I'll send out an email. If a customer hasn't ordered in a while, I'll send out an email to my customer, to those customers and say, hey, listen, I've got people on the waiting list. If you don't want the spot, I can stop sending you the menu and maybe you'll get one or two who say no. But mainly you get people, oh, my goodness, yes, I want to order for next week. And I'll, you know, pre-order. So you have to let them know I'm in demand. There's a supply and demand. And I need you to, you know, take advantage of this. Yeah, it's super (laughs) smart to do the pre-order. That's really, really smart. Do you have anybody that's set up monthly so that you don't even have to think about it at all? You can just, you know that they're locked in for the month? Yes, actually, I do offer a a monthly service service. so normally the menu would be, you know, 12 options for throughout the month. And if you sign up for the month, you pay at the beginning and you only have to pay for 10. So you get two options free during the month if you sign up. And I do have people that are signed up monthly. So when I think about being sold out, those people are already included in my in my space. So now I have even less space for you to, you know to order from. So. Yeah, that's good. This is the best. I think this is a great position to be in. This is a good position to be in. So let's talk about your, yeah, of course. Let's talk about your system for um, maintaining your customers, meaning making sure the food goes to the right people, marketing, all of that. Cause I think that's really important. I love the behind the scenes kind of stuff. I'm really big on like automation and all of those things. I'm always researching different ways to make things more efficient. So 
What does that even look like? Okay, so when you're building a list, do you have, what are you using as your, I guess your email service provider? Are you using MailChimp? What are you using to? Uh, yep, MailChimp mm-hmm. um, to keep everyone's email. And then, you know, um, it's easier to send out like a mass email to everyone. I do have a VIP list to, I'll text them first mm-hmm. and I'll say, hey, make sure you look out for the menu and then everyone else will get an email. Okay. Um, because those are the people that I want to make sure that they're taken care of. And it makes them feel special that they have, you know, this secret little text message that's going to come to them first. So yeah. it's nice. People love when <laughs> it's, people love having being in something that's exclusive. They feel like it's exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And then, um, like I said, you know, I look at who hasn't ordered in a while, the list of people that I have. And if they haven't ordered in a while, I just touch base with them. Hey, someone else could use your space. So I, I don't have dead space. Right. You know, and I know I know where I max out at. You have to know what your limit is mm-hmm. and you have to, you know, you have to think about wh- how do I adjust my limit? So, you know, I started out with going, I can't do more than five. You know, I can't have more than five customers. And then you go, OK, maybe I could do 10 customers or maybe if I get help, I can do 15 customers. And right now I have 30 and I've just reached out to a couple people who haven't ordered in a while and go, hey, do you still want this space? And I had one person say, I can't do it right now. You know, I'm going through some stuff financially. And it was OK because I had someone waiting. So you have to know what your what your max is and you have to know what your minimums are, too. If only two people order for the week, it's not worth it. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's a lot of work for two people. <laughs> Exactly. And then you have to be honest. You have to tell those people, hey, didn't get enough orders this week. You know, I'm not going to I'm not. And that was early on in the business. I don't have to worry about that right now. But you have to be honest and honesty will keep your customers. And you, you know, some people are like, oh, I would love a butternut squash soup. No, you can't afford a butternut squash soup right now. <laughs> it's too expensive. So you have to you have to really be honest and have a personal relationship with your customers. You have to know, I always ask a new customer, what do you eat? What do you don't eat? Are you allergic to anything? You know, it's gluten-free vegans are big right now. So there's a lot of people who are gluten-free. So I always make sure there's a gluten-free option on the menu. Make sure you're taking care of your customers. I have one customer who refuses to eat mushrooms. So I try to make sure that something that, you know, I put something that doesn't have mushrooms on it. And if I can get something without mushrooms that's gluten free, I've just made two people happy. Mm-hmm. So you really want to think about that and you shout them out. You know, this week's menu is based on, you know, Devin's likes or this week's menu is is made by things that all the customers order all the time. You know, so you shout them out as much as you can. You give them little things like. This week we sold out so quickly, everyone who ordered gets dessert. So just little surprises to keep them coming back for more. But you also have to have delicious food. <laughs> yes, that's the key, right? Because <laughs> who's going to come back if it's not good? <laughs> you have to take the feedback. Like one of my first customers, I made something. I, I went, you know, sometimes you go a little far out and you have to be real back in. And I made something and she reached out to me. She was like, I really didn't like that. And I was like, tell me what you didn't like about it. And this is when I was using a lot of meat substitutes. And she was like, I didn't like the texture, like the flavor got a little weird. So I said, thanks for the feedback. I gave her a refund for the product because you have to put that into your business model too. You know, I gave her a refund for the product. And then next week, made sure that it was something that she really liked on the menu. So you have to reach out to them because sometimes people won't tell you 
when they don't like something, they'll just, you know, suffer through it. But you have to ask for the feedback. Mm-hmm. What is it that you like? What is it that you don't like? How can I make this business better? And they'll help you. Your customers will help you make a better business. Yeah, that's good. That's really, really true and good. So how do you keep, um, I guess, like a system together for the preferences? Like how do you, I know that you try to accommodate the menu and they can choose based on gluten-free and things like that. But how do you, how do you know who gets what? What system are you using to maintain that? actually have Excel spreadsheets. I'm, I'm so, I'm, yeah, I have Excel spreadsheets for each of my customers. Um, I keep track of what they order a lot. I keep track of what they, what they stay away from. And I kind of look at it every now and then. I don't obsess over it. I put out a menu of what's going to be valuable to me and them. And if they order, they order. If they don't, they don't. But I like to sometimes just make it special for that person, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm I'm doing gluten-free right now, so I'm not afraid to put gluten-free on the menu because I've worked it out, you know. So don't try to do things that you haven't worked out, you know. But, um, yeah, I have an Excel spreadsheet. I have everyone's name. I have, you know, where they live because sometimes they want delivery um, if they're a monthly customer or a weekly customer. So you have profiles. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I was wondering, like, how do you maintain? Yeah, because I was just wondering because I'm like, how do you know what's what because with 30 people that's a lot going on so I was just trying to figure out what does that look like when I do the survey monkey I keep all of that information you know you can store all of that information too and just see you know I have a spreadsheet for customer favorites I have a spreadsheet of what not to do again of you know most requested items so you kind of get you just have to have it stored somewhere and have it written down I use excel because I'm not you know a computer genius it's probably something easier out there but that works for me right now. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the importance of collaboration. Before we started recording, you mentioned that a lot of your customers want desserts these days. They want some vegan desserts. And you're like, you know what? I am not a baker. I don't I don't got time for that. So I love the fact that you told me that you actually have um, outsourced that to someone else who is an excellent vegan baker. And you're like, okay, let me get this person to help me um, set this up so that my customers get what they want. And I don't necessarily have to be a part of it. (laughs) So talk, let's talk about that process. Like, how did you find this person and what does that look like for you guys? Um, it's actually a girlfriend of mine and she's an excellent baker. She was not a vegan baker. She was known for her cookies and brownies and people would request them. She would make them all the time. She had cute little packaging. And I said, can you make this cookie vegan? And she was like, what? I'm like, can you make that cookie that you make vegan? So she bought all the products. She, you know, I helped her figure out what the substitutes were, you know, for eggs and what do you substitute for milk? And we worked out how to make it a vegan dessert and she made it. And we went through a couple batches. And once she got the recipe, she wrote it down and I just presented it on the menu. Like, hey, this week you can get, you know, a dozen cookies with your, with your order. And um, she would, you know, we worked out the cost and everything of how much she would charge me and how much she wanted to make off of it. And I would just send it over to my customers and I'm not making money off her stuff, but I'm helping her build a business, Mm -hmm. you know. So when it came down to I said, let's let's figure out what you can make in bulk. That's not going to have you in the kitchen all the time. So we had to work out some of those things, too. And now, you know, my customers are always requesting and and she can make it and she's building a business and she loves it, you know, and she's learning some things too. You know, I said, put black beans in your brownies. 
she was like, what does that mean? So you know, we worked out a black bean brownie recipe and just taking her through the market and letting her see what the vegan options were for the stuff that she was already making. And now, you know, she's got a little booming business. It's nice. I love that. <laughs> Helping other people start their businesses, growing yours. <laughs> I really want you to write like a book on this because you have really figured out how to streamline this process. Like listening to this no longer makes me feel overwhelmed with the idea of doing it. Not saying I'm necessarily going to do it, but I just like, oh, I love how you broke it down. I love that because it doesn't seem as intimidating. And I know that, of course, it's growing pains when you get started. You don't know what the heck is going on. But I feel like there's so many people out there who want to start a business. They want to do this. They want to cook for people because they enjoy to do it. Just like you, they enjoy doing it. So um, when is this book coming or course or whatever? <laughs> oh, Monique, you put me on the spot. Okay. Okay. I actually, <laughs> I can't I actually, help it. Our, when I see it, it's just like, I got to say something. <laughs> from one of our last conversations that we had, you know, when you were talking to me about, girl, you need to expand this. You need to expand this. So you've helped me too. You know, this was something that I started with my family and you and I had a talk and, you know, so you've really been inspirational to me. Yeah. So um, I am working on some things. I have a friend who, you know, another person who I reached out to, again, don't be afraid to ask for help, who does a lot of work on computers and putting together programs and putting together, you know, manuals and things. And I said, if I talk it to you or speak it to you, can you write it up for me? And so she agreed. So she just agreed this week because nice. I knew I was going to talk to you. And I was like, I better have a plan for this. <laughs> And so she's actually going to help me do that. And we're going to set a date. And I know, you know, in the spring is when everybody really feels recharged and ready to get stuff done so that we can, you know, we can teach people how to turn a planet plant-based. I have 30 meat eaters who are now eating plant-based at least twice a day. We can do it. And I turn people away. So it's not like this is a business that I'm the only, I have all the people that are interested. I turn people away so anybody can really do it. If I can, they can. Yeah, well, when I come to Philly, we have to like eat or do something. Or when you yeah. when you come to DC, so many or something. I want to take you. Huh? I'll, I said I, there's so many places I want to take you if you come to Philly. I know y'all <laughs> scene is good because Michelle, you know, vegan cooking with love is one of my good friends, and her dad lives in Philly, and she's like, I know. They're vegan. We went to dinner when she was here. I know she told me. That's why I was like, you got to take me to eat some food too. <laughs> <laughs> And my, my good friend Rachel owns Miss Rachel's Pantry, and she does a six-course vegan dinner. And oh, it's wow. it's farm table style, one table in the middle of this place in South Philly. And you just, it, you, when you eat it, you're like, is this really, you know, is this you really looking vegan? like, is this vegan? Hold on, let me, <laughs> they set me up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Do you have any last-minute tips that you have for someone who is ready to start their meal prep business or just anything you want to leave us with? And then, of course, we want to find out where we can follow you on social media so that when you come out with your course or manual or whatever you're doing, <laughs> people can buy it because I, I can't wait. I'm excited. But go ahead. <laughs> um, definitely think about how much time you or you're willing to put into your business. If you want it to be full time, if you want it to be part time, think of a customer list. Think of people who would be interested in eating. You know, like I said, I started out with one guy who had a tragedy, but also, you know, I had another person reach out to me because they wanted to lose weight. So you have to think about who who your core person is going to be and then decide, you know, what you're going to charge for your services and think about the packaging and your time and your gas and the food cost. And you have to think about all that stuff. 
and what your minimum and maximums are and definitely have a personal relationship with your customers. Yes, look at that. I really, really appreciate you being on the show. How can we follow you on social media? Um, my business name is Brown Veggie Mom. So I have a Facebook page and I also have Instagram. Those are the two major places that I play right now. But I'll make sure that I link all of Cherie's um, social media, all of her links and everything at brownvegan.com under this episode. So Cherie, it was such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes. Also, don't forget to get all of the show notes and resources we mentioned at brownvegan.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week.